Hi, welcome back to uh, welcome back to Three MFA. We're going to be talking about The Shining, but first, Brandon just reminded me of an of an old feud that we have <laughs> regarding <laughs> regarding the Yu Gi Oh mythos. I was hoping that this would come up. Brandon, do you want to explain? Uh, yes. Yeah, sh- do you want to so, explain? Uh, I don't know if you guys are aware <laughs> of Yu Gi Oh, but it's a uh, I don't know. If, I mean, would you even call it an anime? I mean, it's a Anyways, it's along the same lines as like Pokemon, card game, all of that. <laughs> so he's got this uh, pyramid upside down medallion thing that uh, when he rubs it like the magic lamp, uh, he goes inside of it and his spirit buddy comes out and takes over and is way better at playing poker than he is. It's pretty sweet. Uh, Caleb doesn't believe that's how it happens. And that's the problem. Wait. First off. Yeah, it's the it's Millennium Puzzle, Brandon. <laughs> no. What did you? No, no, no. Wait, you're changing. Yeah, no, no, no. That's not what happened. For the poke, you said for the no, 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 no. You. This is not. This is not what the argument was. Now he's just doing this to make me Caleb, upset. You and he tell, knows working. You tell us what. No, the argument wait. Is, okay. Yeah, he he has a tendency to make Caleb mad. It was about. <laughs> hold on. Wait. Now you've got. You're gaslighting me, bro. I don't no, know what you're talking about. This is. You said we were talking. No. Okay. I forget what you said, but what I said, which is correct, is that. Um. Oh no! You've got me so flustered. I don't even remember what the argument was. They're both. (laughs) They're both. So it's it's Yugi and then the Pharaoh are both souls. They both have their own soul, and you were right. And the and what happens is whoever whoever is in the control, quote Uh unquote, I'm using finger quotes of of the body is like in the body, and the other soul is right. And I was like, that's not cool because you're trapped in a goddamn puzzle the whole time. No, you said that that's not what it was, and you said something else, and then you got me all angry, and then, like, four months later, you were like, oh, I was just kidding the whole time. I don't even yeah, care. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I can't even and explain to you what the actual <laughs> argument was, because the whole time it was a bit. That's why we can't remember what it was. But I had been, like, but I had been like in my head for four months being, like, really angry for no reason, because I am clearly Yeah, but also, like, that was, like, the beginning of school, so you didn't know me that well yet. So you didn't know that it was just a yeah, bit. that's true. <laughs> and you, I guess that's true because you didn't know that I would. No, I had no idea. Mentally, <laughs> all I know is that my experience with the card game is that it's a lot easier to lose life points in real life than on the cartoon. Apparently, oh, it's like so that's all I'm. Well, saying. in real life, you have eight thousand instead of four thousand, so like the games go longer. But yeah. obviously, when you have a half an hour to like do your duels, you have to cut that shit down. And you only could do, like, what, two turns uh, an episode? Three turns an episode? Yeah, well, it's like Dragon Ball rules, because you have to uh, spend, like, a bunch of time talking about, you know, like, friendship and shit, so. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty sick. <laughs> uh, that was one of those I, fads that yeah, came sorry. on fast. Like, I would start seeing Yu-Gi-Oh cards around everywhere, and then before, and then, like, you see the show as a kid, and you're like, okay, started to put all this together, and then it's everywhere, and you're like, all right, so this is, like, the thing now. Fantastic. Yeah, it's it's funny because like I I loved the sorry Caleb I loved the the card game like yeah. I didn't play the Pokemon card game I collected the cards for Pokemon but I, yeah. but I played Yu Gi Oh with my brothers and then same thing with like when Beyblade yeah, came out like shit. I had those tops you know I got I got cuts from those tops yeah did you guys they actually had metal on <laughs> did them. you guys collect a bit beasts because I, I, I did yeah I did not yeah. do that no no that's what the Beyblade the little yeah. monsters on the Beyblades were called 
the little stickers. Oh, uh, we just used the tops. We didn't like. <gasps> I didn't collect. The that stuff. was the whole point. <laughs> that was also the, the, the oh. fastest one to get banned from banned from schools. Beyblade, like, yeah, there's yeah, so much. Because they were like actual tops that went, yeah, so fast. And did you, you guys have the, the plastic domes? Yeah, the well, did. <laughs> and we battled tops. Battle tops at hockey rinks. They'd always have vending machines with stupid crap in them, right? And once Beyblades became, yeah, thing, yeah, yeah, they started selling in hockey rink vending machines. You know the middle metal piece. Like the, the weight? The the, no, bit no, no, piece. the weight. Yeah. Like the metal ring. They used okay. to they started selling ones yeah. in all these vending machines that were like three times the size and had like spikes huh. coming out of the side and things like that. Be, and then Hell so yeah, like, they would fit out of your thing. So because Canada and it was on a hockey ring every day, you go and like buy a bunch <laughs> of them and then like you yours is immediately heavier than everyone else's. And because you're talking about tops, yeah. you win. <laughs> So it's just like, oh, this, this is right. six. What I will <laughs> say, out of all of like those television cartoons that were just like advertisements for toys, uh, I will say I think uh, Pokemon, in my opinion, is the best like universe, like world building with like the most memorable characters. But I thought that Digimon was yeah. the best show. Like, best, like, narrative experience. Like, the first three seasons of Digimon, I remember being as a kid, like, actually, like, glued to the screen. Like, I can't, yeah. like... This oh, is, like, when those crests dramatic. came out and, like, yeah, it's Skull like, Greymon? But, Skull Greymon was, like, when he... Oh, I loved but it. But Beyblade has the fucking best theme song. That song slaps. <laughs> it's so <Yeah>. good. <laughs> um, I'll have to look and, it up. And then the, you get the New Age anime. Like, me and my brothers are watching through Attack on Titan right now and it's so different yeah it it's is. really good i mean i've seen it before but god damn the intensity compared to like a beyblade it's like yeah it's like i would say I the would stake, say dramatic stakes the, are higher for sure as if it is the shining to the dark tower is how i would put it wow that you yeah i mean that's fair uh <laughs> i feel like the the dark tower is worse though i don't even want to give it that yeah <laughs> i don't even want to say the dark tower is okay, as wait, good hold as on. so i want to get into this now because we watched the dark tower last episode um and then this episode we uh, have watched the shining now it feels like the dark tower was the way it was because he tri- like they made that movie way less about the books and way more about this is stephen king's multiverse and that's what I'm realizing. I feel like they made that movie a lot more focused on making sure the world knows what Stephen King's multiverse is than on the actual story of the Dark Tower. Well, that makes sense if what you were saying is true, that it was supposed to be a lead-in to like that's a television show. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so if it was supposed yeah. to serve as this like pilot of sorts, and then you want to make sure that all the world building is out there so when people go onto this fucking television so they can but then that didn't happen because the movie well, was so i crashed. also i found out something <laughs> the other day because right. after watching the shining i went on a deep dive into this whole stephen king multiverse thing and as we were talking about the dark tower i didn't finish the books i think i got to like three and a half caleb yeah and i know this was probably a spoiler and this is why you didn't mention this in what world do you not mention that Stephen King wrote himself as a character and the whole thing folds over itself. <laughs> yeah, Josh. Yes, Josh. Because... So book five. Spoiler alert for anybody who's listening. Book five. 
Stephen King, after having a life-threatening car crash, gives like it's like six years between the two books, between four and five. He writes himself as a character that they save because they have to save him to get to the Dark Tower. And if he dies, their whole story dies. And he's feeding Roland information. So he pulls a meta move and brings it on top of himself where he's in his own multiverse. And I love that, but I don't know how that didn't come up last week when you knew that, Caleb. Because it's so much it's so much better to read it for yourself and be like, excuse me? Uh, Brandon... <laughs> Brandon, he did it because of this reaction right here that I'm watching on the on the screen. Is you going, what the fuck? It was, why I, didn't you tell I me? Was <laughs> so that is why he shocked. didn't tell you. That is not where I saw it going, especially about like the fifth book. I was like, what? Are you serious? Yeah. Well, that's my thing with Stephen King is obviously he's a very talented writer and he has kind of created a niche where there's nobody's like really competing with him. Like he's like the Jay-Z of... <laughs> horror literature do you know what i mean like he built an empire like anybody who's like trying you know what i mean like yeah it's like what 70 books now and like half of them are the best known books in america more than that dude if you count all like the short stories and 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 all that he's created such iconic you know what i mean but but he also is very like he's like a psycho and he's very self-indulgent like that is a very self-indulgent thing to do like do you know what i mean like it's it's like imposing Obviously, I want to be a storyteller. We're all storytellers. But, like, imposing, like, that sort of, like, not leaving that to the subtext, being like, <laughs> I am the savior of the universe. You know what I mean? Like, literally, right. I'm a character in this. And, and it's just, <laughs> I'm always just like, what the fuck? And I, and I think it's, it's going to be interesting. I don't know, you know, when we talk about The Shining, when we talk about the movie, it'll, I think it'll be interesting to discuss kind of his reaction to it and how right. he approached, you know, uh, he wanted to approach the story and adapting it and how him and Kubrick kind of had That's their little the craziest feud. thing too, right? It's, it's definitely two minds like that on a project. Like it's already a Stephen King book and then you're throwing Kubrick in there. Yeah. So you're just adding like a whole nother, you know, mass of, of, of knowledge yeah. and want to do your own thing. It's, it's very interesting. Can we take a quick moment though, just to, in case there's new listeners on this, to introduce ourselves just really quick. Yeah, sorry, we got right into it. Uh, I'm Caleb John Cushing. I'm an actor, writer, and filmmaker, and I just moved to Queens, so that's where I live now. Yay. And it's very clean. I love it. It's very quiet, and I think it'll be nice for my mental health. I hope so. It's a crazy time. Uh, Josh here, uh, director, actor, mover, video game extraordinaire, um... <laughs> Audio editor now, I guess. After a while, I can put that on the list. Um, yeah, I'm here in Inwood, Washington Square or Washington, uh, Washington Heights, Inwood area, Manhattan. And yeah, things seem to be relatively quiet now, so it's it's a good thing. Brandon McPherson, Toronto, Canada. Nah, play for Team USA. Sorry, that's a miracle callback because that's what it sounded like we were getting into. Uh, hi, I'm Brandon McPherson. I'm uh, from Toronto. Uh, you know, wish I was back in New York with you guys, but not right now because there's a pandemic. Yeah, this podcast would be a lot easier if you were if we were able Counter to... Counter argument would be a lot easier if you guys were Canadian. Counter counter argument i agree with brandon i don't want to be in america anymore <laughs> mom that's fair mom pick me up from the party there's molotov cocktails i'm scared <laughs> luckily i mean luckily 
with all that happening, it, it did yesterday. Well, it took a big turn for the positive yeah. in terms of yeah. protesting. So it's not minus the whole cops blocking people on the Manhattan Bridge to arrest them. But other than that, yeah. there's minus a that good. huge imposing on civil liberties. <laughs> I guess things are going well. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking it crazy. Yeah. I mean, they're barricading. He's Trump is barricading himself into the White House. I mean, it's it's we're on some yeah. we're on some fucking French Revolution shit, y'all. I mean, it's just insane. Like, I can't tell if I'm like, I can't wait for that or if I'm just kind of because I did protest on Tuesday and it was my first walk and it was I had chills as we were walking, like the chance, the support from the traffic. Like we walked Mm. from the the courthouses up Lafayette over from Canal Street to Broadway and up to Washington Square Park. And it was it was very inspiring. You know, with all the supports, and the only thing I wish is that there's they'll we get back to the to the group protests like in the '60s when there was like somebody you could like follow, like Martin Luther King. You know, somebody who's there that's like the spokesperson, because there we would have one person that I would lo- want to hear speak who had something really important to say, but because the the group at uh, Washington Square Park was so massive, there would be other chants starting like behind you, and I was like on that cusp. Right. So I couldn't hear what they were saying because on their mic, they're they're on their megaphone. But I got caught up in like people chanting around me the, you know, say his name, you know, George Floyd. And so there's a little bit it's not organized. And I guess that's just my. Well, I think the difference is that there there, I feel like the the need for that central figure and I could be speaking out of my ass, but I feel like that's almost become obsolete with social media and the Internet. And I, I feel like the movement itself of Black Lives Matter is like that central figurehead that people are rallying around all which, across the which world. Which is, is better because you can't kill yeah. a movement, right? You can't kill an idea, but you can kill yeah. a person, as we've seen. So the, every the, single right. yeah supporter you know, so of the, like the more widespread, <laughs> you know, like which, you know, unfortunately, it seems incredibly widespread, and it seems like it's taking off all over the world. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's I, I just think that's it's much. I also think, though, that like, well, yeah. yeah, no, you can't kill a movement. And I think what's great is that even Trump tried to label the movement. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, it's uh, it's all just. So yeah. So fucking nuts right now. Everything is crazy. But it's it's yeah, important, yeah. though. You know, I, I think that regard regardless of where. And this is something that I feel like is different. Uh than maybe it has been in the past. Obviously, I wasn't alive back then, so I don't know. But right. it, it really seems that regardless of where you are on the political spectrum, I think everybody, to some degree, agrees that there yeah. needs to be change. Yeah. yeah, And I think that how much change or how that change takes place and to the degree of who is culpable and responsible gets becomes fluid depending on who you ask. But I think no one is happy. And and that yeah, feels right. very electric. I mean, we well a great a ex- uh, great example, real quick, Caleb is. So I I finally made a status after being texted by a friend of mine. Um, Anybody we know saying you know you, no somebody I worked with at a bar, um, saying you know calling me out for not saying anything earlier. Right, from my personal experience, I was just trying to figure out what needed to be said. You know, and I talked to my roommate and. Just the, the solidarity, right? The support is what what needs to happen, right? So I put out my status, you know, that I do understand that I listened 
and that I, I, I'm there for Black Lives Matter and this is the movement that needs to happen. What I found out my job is, is to talk to my relatives. My uncle posted his All Lives Matter post and then I sent him a nice long message saying this is not an argument. This is not me trying to point fingers. This is me trying to have a discussion, yeah. right? And I said, I, because the first two sentences were, all lives matter. We need to stop this division between race and class. Now, he's a stark Republican, Fox News watcher, Trump lover, whatever have you. And I thought it was so funny because what he said is so true. We do need to stop, stop the division between class and race. All lives do matter. And I said, that is why I'm marching. Right. You know, that is, that's why I am here and this is so important. But, and I think it's funny because the lens that he sees it through is trying to like degrade and demean and stuff like that. But if they like, if they, the Republicans, the, the base sees it from, if you are, if you truly mean what you say that all lives matter, then you would be just as mad that there are still cops out there yeah, it, exercising police brutality I mean, is all I'm, it, is what I'm saying. is so dumb in that. Like, look, yes, obviously all lives fucking matter. I assume your uncle's a white guy, right? Um, yep. Yeah, obviously all lives fucking matter, buddy. But at the same time, have you ever, like, as a white dude, I didn't have a single issue in New York. I was completely comfortable walking around everywhere. That's the whole right. point. Like, I don't have, like, yeah. it wasn't a problem. I didn't get beat up by cops. Like, I didn't, that's the exact issue. <laughs> like, it's, the, yes, obviously all lives matter. There's no fucking issue for white people. It's been fine. It's not about you. It is not like it's not about yeah. you. You're fucking fine already. But I also I was very um, it's about Black Lives Matter because that's where there's an right. issue and it needs help and it needs to be put to the forefront and people need to be aware and care. But I think I think what's important, though, is on my end, what I can do again, like I said, is have those conversations. Don't argue with him. Don't try and like beat him down, you know, just say. Hey, listen, I'm using your words that you're saying, and I'm just making sure that you understand that that is not okay. Like you, you can put you can put as many, you know, house on fire analogies as you want. They still don't well, they won't understand until you have that open conversation and try to change their mind at least. Put that effort in. So that's all. You're, a, you're a better man than me. <laughs> I I can't, you know, debate in good conscience with anybody who cannot say without any caveats, qualifiers, or conditions, like, Black Lives Matter. Like, anybody that has to be like, but, and, or, like, yeah. it's like, you're, there's no way that you can meet them. Or at least I can't. And other people have that ability to be more level-headed and to be more understanding. But what it is, is it's it's learned and trained ignorance. And there is no excuse in the digital age where we all have a supercomputer in our fucking pockets at all times you know, it's so easy. It's never been easier to educate yourself and to learn. And like, if you're still, if still choosing yeah. ignorance, then like, I don't know. I don't no, know how to like help the, you. Right. And and I think that. Sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry, Brandon. You can go. Well, it's just like the the metaphor is like if like go to uh go to a child's funeral and tell the mom, you know, when she's like, my child's life matter. Go tell the mom, no, all kids' lives matter. It's not fucking about you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just know that it's yeah. Trump shooting himself in the foot, which I love. And I hope that 
the church is and everybody in his base, there's still going to be those select few that even through all of this, they're going to say, you know what, I think he's doing a good job. But they can't be helped, unfortunately. And what we can do is, you know, we, obviously go out and vote. Can we be real, though? Like, so, what the hell is up with, like, the entirety of the country that Biden's the other choice? That makes no sense. <laughs> Guys, fuck. Just there hasn't been any campaign. No, we, we fucked up. You know up. what I mean? Like we we fucked up. Like, <laughs> Bernie should have been the. Even the guy, I'm, I'm, but... there, how is there not just like a very down the middle person that they were like you? You seem normal. You seem normal. Let's get you in there. Like I don't know. I think people have just Biden is insane. the down the middle. He person. doesn't know what planet can, he's on. When you can, when you consider the fucking worst option. I'm just saying. And I and I'm not. I don't like to be one of those people. No, we're fucked. Like we're we're fucked. And like, I know it's like a meme and everything, but it's literally only June. I know. Yeah. And I feel like this I, year I has had a been full ten on years. Panic attack the other day, <laughs> um, with everything else going on, because uh, I started seeing the memes about Yellowstone and and having earthquakes, and I was like, oh great. <laughs> yeah. So when that goes off, we're all just totally dead anyway. So what's the fucking point? So there was that, and also. We're slated. This is going to be. This is supposed to. We're entering like the most volatile hurricane season yeah. on record. Yeah. Sick. So, like, I I really feel like God was like, you know what? I'm done. Fuck you guys. I tried. I've <laughs> yeah, been yeah, trying. I've given you every opportunity. What if 2020 is the peak, and then everything just starts like that's Earth's peak of shitness, and after that, just everything starts mm-hmm. getting better again <laughs> forever. Well, I mean, yeah, after a storm, there comes after Maybe. a Maybe. That's an optimist way to look at it. What is the line? What's the line? Aaron Eckhart? The night is darkest just before Damn the right dawn. Is. Absolutely. Which isn't true. <laughs> By the way, that's not how that works. But that's true. The, the, night, the night is getting lighter right before the dawn. Yeah, like, the, the night is darkest at midnight. Or, like, the opposite when the sun is. <laughs> oh, Obviously, right up, before Caleb. dawn, it's going to be damn. brighter. <laughs> <laughs> It's, I'm just saying. There whatever. can be some hope, you know. <laughs> That's my new favorite. Maybe line. no, the I, is, I, you know, I, darkest I, I understand. Sun is. <laughs> yeah, I, obviously, I understand the the dramat the poeticness of the, but it's just not true. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Would That's have probably to say about true. That you sure. would be like, the night is darkest at exactly one fifty two a.m. Depending on um, what time of year darkest, it is, exactly. At- <laughs> Depending on the uh, position of the uh, polar God, he's, I can't do it. How can, I don't know he's that's the funny. best. He made being that smart so cool, and I'm so glad he did. And then he and then he got me too, and it's like did he? Rah, rah. I didn't know that. Can we? I know. Oh yeah. Let's, but sorry, we're we're going all over the. We're place. going all over the place, <laughs> but I think it's okay. I think obviously, you know, have your thoughts about Biden. He spoke the other day, and I was like, not perfect, Biden. You put, probably shouldn't have said some of those things, but it was. There was a spark in me. Maybe this is, you know, my internal optimist or eternal optimist uh, point of view. But like, it was nice not to really want to throw anything at the yeah. TV, you know, and have somebody actually speak out and what's happening other than somebody posing in front of a church with a Bible or going to the bunker. Like, it's just it, it sucks. I wish yeah. there were more options. I wish, you know, we had more of a thing to look forward to. But how 2020 is happening. Is going we on right have, now. Yeah. If we get four more years of Trump, I don't know. But yeah, I just want to. I, I want to make something very. If we, if we, I just, just want to make something clear. I, I, when I'm ripping on Biden, not in a way that I would ever. Well, first of all, I'm Canadian, so I can't vote. But uh, 
I would never vote for Trump. I'm just saying that it's shocking to me from an outside view that that's the person the Democratic Party ended up with. Because it would have been seemingly an easy victory with anybody that knew where they were. I don't know. Like, it's like... It, they don't, they don't, but they don't actually want progress. They want to keep the status quo, and that's what Biden yeah, will allow them to do. I agree right. that he is better than Trump, but I, I've, I've just become so disillusioned with everything. Yeah, um, yeah what did fucking? It was a uh, ice. It was ice tea or ice cube. Somebody said this uh, thing I on, on Twitter. He was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, he was like. Because he was posting about all this shit that's going on and, and speaking truths, you know, and then he was like, and by the way, this isn't I'm not I'm not a Democrat. This isn't pol- Democrat, Republican, whatever that shit. Both wings are on the same bird. Damn. And I was like, yeah, Damn. dude, yeah. Damn, bro. I feel <laughs> that's yeah. fire. You know, <laughs> fire bars, bro. <laughs> it's, a, it's a never ending battle, I think. And I think that we've dug ourselves in so much of a hole with Trump that if Biden can get us back to square one so that we can then make more progress, then. I say, you know. Um, has he announced who his but... running mate is? Not yet. No, he's he's t- he's been playing um, focus group testing by announcing like being like maybe it's right. this woman, maybe it's this woman. I I don't know who it's gonna be, yeah. but you know. Um, speaking of psychological never-ending nightmares <laughs> in isolation, we watched The yeah. Shining, yes. directed by Stanley Kubrick from 1980. It's the 40-year anniversary. Wow. Um, just like with Raging Bull. You know, just, uh, just so anybody wasn't clear, sorry, Caleb, that this is a podcast about where we talk about movies. We're so, If you're yeah. tuning into this, it is not political by any means. You well, know, but we I have mean, to... technically, all art is political. Yeah, sure. I'm pretty sure. It got, of course. Um, there's no such thing as apolitical art. We were watching art. Night's Tale. It got pretty political. Just saying. Uh, you know, it's actually a very uh, interesting uh, snapshot of the dissolution Don't of do monarchical it power it in it uh, is. feudal England. It is England. a great snapshot, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Don't mock my favorite movie. <laughs> um, who... Who uh you gave House of Three. I'm like I'll mock whatever I want. Uh <laughs> we how who so this is I love yeah. Stanley Kubrick. I, I think he might be my favorite director. I think he's one of the only filmmakers that I can confidently say like even his like weakest films are still like good. Do you know what I mean? Um I love this movie. I don't know. How, have you guys I, seen it before? I haven't like, this... fully seen it before, but again, it's The Shining. So you, I've seen yeah. most, if not all of it in a variety of ways growing up. There's nothing that's surprising. There's nothing that's going to scare you. Like, you know, you know, uh, and even to the point of knowing what to look out for with like conspiracy theories and things like mm. that. Um, it was really interesting sitting down and actually watching it all the way through for the first time. Um, there was definitely a lot of things that, you know, were more fleshed out and it's just, it feels so ingrained in the world already that watching yeah, it, you're like, I, yep, this is the shining that, yep. <laughs> well, I mean, I hope that wasn't the extent no, of your not, experience. Not, you were just like, yeah, in a bad this is way, happening. But I was just like, yeah, <laughs> this is the shining. That makes sense. Yeah. Sure. No. Sure. Yeah. Sure, sure. I. I'm on the same. I. I've never seen it before. I. I think I've watched the first third of it or something for a class, and we never got through it all. Um. I kind of the same like with Brandon. Like you see the poster, you know what the poster is, you know 
here's Johnny, you know that famous Ooh. line, you know. Which was a uh, ad lib, by the way. Oh, that's that's amazing. That's actually really interesting. Um, so that's <laughs> that makes that little scene a little bit better. Um, I I thought it was okay. I thought overall, I'm glad I I've saw it. I'm glad I've added it to my repertoire of movies that I can see and that I've you know experienced. But like Brandon, I think because it's been so ingrained in pop culture over the last forty years that it wasn't it wasn't a surprise in terms of the, the structure of the character, because I knew what the ending was going to be, right? And so, mm-hmm. for me, it was figuring, like, experiencing that journey for him. And I have I have notes about my problems with some things I didn't like about the journey, but we can get to that later. But yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was okay. I liked it. Yeah. And it's, it's just know, like... It, glad I saw it. It being from the 80s, everything that we've seen, like every horror movie that we've ever seen is you know it all comes yeah. from this point so it's just yeah I, I i wish i was around to see it when it first came out in the 80s and i'm sure it would have blown my mind or maybe it wouldn't have. i mean it like got really? kind of really bad reception when it came out yeah like if you if you read about it I, people found it to be very slow people found it to be very like strange and just like not you know obviously like some people really liked it but it wasn't until i think the years went on that people kind of came around to see how important and influential and specific and thematic that it was obviously it's one of the most influential films of all time i mean like you guys were saying you can you can have never seen this film but have absorbed every moment through osmosis by just like the simpsons you know what i mean exactly that's the best part yeah but I, I think the pure, for me, what I love about it is just, I mean, part of why I love it is the pure, like, technical craft on display is insane. Yeah. Like, it's one of the first, it's one of the first films to use the Steadicam. So, like, all those, like, long oh, I love the long shots. shots. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, that just create this, like, sense of fucking, like, unease. and Every time that kid um, was riding his tricycle so awesome. around the hotel, yeah, they're dude. just, like, waiting for something to pop up. You know, you get ahead of it because you're like, I know what's going to happen. Something's going to happen. But what is going to happen? Does that make sense? That's yeah. what was yeah. fun about it. Was Absolutely. Not knowing I mean, what tension. he's going to see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was also like. Yeah. And I think that does that really well. going for the ride. You know, she's like, OK, we know where this is going. Let's just. Yeah. That's, I want right. to take the ride. I thought. Yeah. Um, can I can I chime in with some, some of my slight issues with it at all? Okay. Do you guys mind? <laughs> Um, no, I think my, my biggest thing is, uh, so Jack Nicholson is, plays Jack, um, in the movie. I felt that he was slightly projecting. He's a, it seems like he is, I know he's like a character actor and stuff, but I felt like, and it might just be his look. I might just be because I, I know how he is as a, as a person, the way he smiles, you just kind of get that. And I also know because the Joker, nine years later, I actually had to look it up because when I was watching this movie, I'm like, did he do the Joker before this? Is he taking from that or is this before? So I had to look it up. No, Joker is but, nine but year. He, did do, he did do One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest before Ooh, this. Gotcha. Right. Okay, that might be Which where I'm thinking. Which is a it, it, very similar, like, it seems ah, like that, like crazy. <laughs> you know, for me, my issue is the looking through the brow, you know, he does this thing with his head and he's he's a he's an external in out to in actor it seems like like he he characterizes and he puts it on this thing for the film and i feel like some of it was a little like forced now that being said um i talked to my confidant ryan who has 
read the <laughs> read the book and he's a little more knowledgeable on the Stephen King stuff. He said that in the book that Jack, the dad, he should be like almost possessed as how crazy he kind of goes into. I just felt like I would have liked a little more of an exponential curve than like a kind of gradual because even the drive to the hotel in the with his uh, wife and kid, he kind of had that look on him like, yeah, we're going to we're going to go and write, you know. But see, that for me actually makes the, the, the moment more cohesive to me right away. I'm not saying like you're wrong, but yeah. just for me, like right away, that first meeting where he's interviewing for the position, you can tell that he's like forcing his smile and he's like trying, he's like putting a practiced agreeableness on. I don't mind that I can see the slips through the cracks right away because it makes the moment where he snaps at her like a half hour into the movie at the typewriter. Yeah. It's like, of course he would. Yeah. He's like a loose cannon and he's like on his fucking edge's seat the entire time because he's just a yeah. fucking asshole. He's like a crazy and, uh, person. I watched you know what I mean? Kubrick where he was talking about how that was all very on purpose. Um, they didn't want, they wanted Jack, the character coming in and the audience already knowing that this guy is an asshole, that this guy is, uh, is yeah. like you said, he's about to blow. Um, it was very on purpose, and they were like, "Oh, well, there you yeah, go." Kubrick was like, "The beginning. You see this guy. the The house doesn't turn him into a bad person. It just pushes him over the edge." And it, they wanted to make right. it very clear that this guy was going to break. Yeah, no matter I think what. I, yeah, and I think yeah. that they did that really well. But I also think that, like Josh was saying, that doesn't like necessarily come through to everybody because that was a huge problem that a lot of people had like that were fans of the book like my dad who loves the book hates this film stephen king hates this film he thinks it's a horrible mm. adaptation oh wow um and uh it's because it's like well yeah it's jack nicholson so like you know he's like fucking crazy like there's no you know what i mean like he's obviously gonna fucking go nuts yeah. but that's what i i think the inevitability of it is what creates tension for me it's like i i know that he's gonna fucking yeah. snap and I, and, but like the question is when and like how severely, because like, you know, just because some guy is like snaps at his wife, that doesn't necessarily to me mean, oh, of course he's going to run around the fucking hotel with an ax. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Later, you know, like it's, right. he truly like goes off the fucking deep end. And there that's, you know, you're isolated for months in the winter. You know, this hotel has malevolent spirits that are working yeah. on your brain. Like, well, I also he think was though pro- he that was always destined to to lose. But then you got the poster of him in the door frame, you know, squeezing his head through the door, and so there's a little bit kind of like Shawshank Redemption, <laughs> you know, where you like, okay, we know that he gets out of prison. We also know that Jack's character is a fucking psycho, yeah. you know. Um, I would love. Yeah. Yeah, you kind of knew that the marriage wasn't gonna like it was it was on teetering, you know, it was on eggshells anyway. Um, I did. Another part of me also, and I know it needed to happen, but the amount of the vehicle for exposition in this movie seemed a little on the nose. And I don't know if that's just because of the filmmaking in the 80s or um, but like everything with the owner of the hotel saying essentially everything. Hey, watch out. Last person went crazy and killed his family. You know, I'm like, okay, cool. You know, they're setting up for that. The whole thing with like (laughs) when the storm was coming in, you know, oh, the telephones are down. Oh, hey. Officer, is everything okay? Yeah, is everything okay up there? Oh, it's fine. No, I just want to talk to somebody. What's going on? Oh, the telephones will be down for the whole winter, you know? And it's just like, okay, great. I didn't really need all... I could tell that they're in the mountains. The opening shot is beautiful of them going up into the mountains to see this hotel. 
it's Colorado. I'm pretty sure I know that in the wintertime it sucks. So <laughs> that might be a little over hypercritical. I mean, yeah, but I don't know. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, I don't find um, that stuff. That stuff didn't bother me because I think the film does such a good job about showing and not telling for like most of the time. Yeah. Like we were talking about Jack's personality. Um, there's so many of these little moments, like, you know, in the book, they go into like this, like really long detail about how he was an alcoholic and he was abusive and they almost got divorced. But I feel like you get the glimpses of that, like enough that they don't have to outright say all that stuff in the film. Like, I love the moment where they're walking around and getting the tour for the first time. And, uh, these two like maids or whatever are like leaving and Jack, like, just like look checks him out really yeah. quickly before he goes into the room. That. It's just like a little thing, you know. Um, but there's tons well, of little stuff like that can all I, through. Can I ask about so I didn't can mind I ask about that a little stuff. thing like that that I picked up on, and I'm sure you probably have an you know answer for this. So when he first, I either the first time or the second time he goes to the bar, and the bartender pops up, and they're talking, and mm-hmm. he goes, um, he's explaining when he hurt Danny, and he goes, yeah. Oh, there is a time frame. That's what I was about to say. And he goes, and yeah, Yeah. I haven't drank it in three years. And like two scenes before, the mom explaining it is like six months ago, this happened. He hasn't drank it in six Mm -hmm. months. There is, I think, because he hurt, like, because she also said, as soon as he hurt the kid, he stopped drinking. Hasn't touched a drop six six months ago at the time. And then it's like. But then he said three years. Yeah, that's, that is a weird. There's like a bunch of shit like that where I was like, oh, oh. (laughs) <laughs> no, I mean th- this. This movie is is famous, I think, for like there are a lot of inconsistencies like that um, throughout the film. I don't think it's a mistake. I'm, but, like, I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm like, what's no, 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 no. Because Why? I'm with with Kubrick's notorious attention to detail and specificity. Um, I think it's. I think if anything, it's kind of like. I mean, Jack is going insane yeah and with the hotel's influence of him like like time becomes weird um just his his very like being is kind of being torn apart onto both like the physical and like whatever the spiritual horror plane you want to call it i mean there's there it's like it goes like time has sort of become this non-existent entity and like who who knows what's what's true and what's not you know my next question for you caleb Explain to me, okay. <laughs> and 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 I implore you to convince me that the other guy, right, the guy who's kind of like the other spirit dude uh-huh. that's there, who's like the ex, you know, the guy he thinks was the last caretaker who killed everybody. Grady. Thank you. I implore you to convince me that that's not the uh, Matthew McConaughey, McConaughey character from The Dark Tower. Oh, Randall Flagg? I mean, it could, you know I don't saying? know, it could be. Like, it's just like, after watching the Dark <laughs> yeah, Tower, I mean, that's interesting. and it's like, that's the, he's just there pushing buttons. Like, you know? I've, I mean, they, they serve that's the same function, exactly. for sure. Like, exactly. of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I love the, all that shit. I love the fucking, where he's like, you have to correct the, like, <laughs> it's just so sinister, and it's like, you know, like, oh, this guy's gonna kill his yeah. fucking family. Like, I don't know, I think that's, I think it's really well done. Um, and all the psychic visions Danny has where he's like, uh, like, like you see I all the blood the and shit. I thought it's the creepy. kid was fantastic. And also I want to talk about the fact that there's not a shot. And I, I really hope this happened, but that kid was what, like eight or nine. Like he's really young doing that. Maybe 10. Dude, he's just really young. Yeah. He did a great job. And he's like, 
He's doing the whole like thing with the finger. I did a great job. Red rum, red rum. Could you rum, imagine how rum. big of a nightmare that kid must have been like on weekends with his parents? There's no way he just didn't keep doing that the entire time. They're like, dude, you have to stop. And just being like, Danny's not here right now. Like, dude, you gotta stop. Oh my god, what an out as an eight year old. Right? That's what I'm saying. Eat your eat your vegetables. Tony made well, me do exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> you know that he's still, you know, doing that on set. Um, really positive feedback because you're doing an amazing job. Like he definitely left that set and kept doing it for way too long. That's all I kept thinking. Well, you know what's you know what's interesting, uh, and we're we're kind of jumping all over the place, but I, I mean, there's so much to talk about. But with um, Kubrick was like very much like two people on this set. Like he was apparently very protective of Danny, really? like the kid actor. Good. And like, didn't, didn't want him to get like, like, didn't want him to get like disturbed or like traumatized. And apparently he didn't know that he was even in a horror movie <laughs> until like he watched it as a teenager. Do you know what I mean? And he was like, oh, wow. you know, very careful with him. But then he like bullied Shelley Duvall to the point that he like almost That's like drove a real her thing, insane. right? I always remember hearing and about I, that, <laughs> that. This is like a nightmare experience yeah, for her, right? Like, and I, and I guess it, I mean, it kind of goes into what we were talking about with like Brando and like Coppola or in earlier episodes where it's like Kubrick apparently was like, I wanted to like push her to the point where she would break to get the authenticity of the reaction. And even like Jack Nicholson was like, dude, like, come on, like, relax, you know, <laughs> like you're going a little, you're going a little hard on her. Um, and it's, it's like, is that justified? Do you know what I mean? Right. I, I think that's insane. And I think there's a much better way to go about getting a performance yeah, out of same someone. Here. Um, well, that's it, a, it's it, a thing too. I like, mean, if she became a crazy person, you know, yeah. I'm not saying just because of that, but like, I mean, there was a moment she talks about it as like a very difficult year of her life. Yeah, I that's I mean that's very sad to to think because if nowadays if I'm working with an actress and she just isn't obviously I was given the tools at the studio the MFA program to like try and get something believable out of the actress without like making like a safe space to do it mm -hmm. but in the 80s mm -hmm. like if she's not getting there then i would you know maybe get somebody else but at the same time also in that bathroom when he was kind of breaking in i like made a note when she was like screaming her head off like i was like you she's acting her face off if she was a singer i'd say she's belting her face off because the horror yes, bitch belting face she's <laughs> yes um yes, because with the, with the axe skinny legend you know, i also had a note though that when she was running around with that 10 inch knife i'm like honey you're gonna cut mm -hmm. yourself yeah. stop stop flailing you know she's looking behind her and she's just waving her hands well, i mean she was fucking exhausted like in real life yeah. like imagine like for thir for 13 months right oh, wow. shooting for 12 hour days and being berated the entire time like I, you know, she was like broken. She was a broken shell of a human being. Yeah, <laughs> it's like That's it's so okay. sad. I don't know, you know why it I mean? took so long to shoot. Yeah, why? Because Kubrick is a perfectionist and would do like fifty takes of. He's like like Fincher. Like he just like until he gets it right, until he gets it to the point that he wants it. And it's like, you know, like Kubrick or sorry Nicholson and Shelley Duvall and Scatman Crothers also. We're all like, we'll never really? work with him again. Wow. Like, you know what I mean? Well, I mean, that's, because it's just an, it was just a nightmare. That makes sense apparently. in terms of, I guess, as an actor, like you can't, yeah. if you're working that long and that hard and that meticulous, honestly, I would probably go to more of an outward in type of character building like Jack Nicholson. You know what I mean? Like if I can portray this crazy and kind of go there and like pick my moments to really kind of go. But if he can get the shot, especially if it's like take 45, if he can get the shot... <laughs> 
or if I can look like I'm crazy, <laughs> I'll do that. That way I can like I get off of work. I can just go home and just like chill. Right. Because if you do, if you work yeah. like we work on a movie like this, you. That's not healthy as like you're in your emotional fry your fucking like brain. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like ja- like with Jack Nicholson, you know, he was playing it more. Like, okay, so your first 20 takes, you're doing a more naturalistic thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then you get tired, and it's like, fuck it, I'm just going to be crazy. And Kubrick right. was like, yes, that's what I want. <laughs> because these people are supposed to be at the end of their emotional and mental rope. You know what I mean? Like, True. you're creating yeah. this environment where these people are, like, pushed to the edge. So, like, I I love, I personally think that it it's totally fits. I can see where you're coming from, for sure. And I think in general, you're right, Josh, that that sort of, like, outward in you know, aesthetic usually doesn't work. But for, for some reason, for me, I think it totally fits the, like, the isolated insanity, tension, like, nightmare scenario. Yeah. I also do think, like you were saying, Josh, I think a big part of it is the fact that it's Jack Nicholson. And again, this is such a starting point. So, like, we know what we're going to get from him in this movie. Like, you know how he's going to sound. You know what his mannerisms are going to be a little bit. So I think that also yeah. is a part of it. Because he's I think a lot of it so was unique. the bias of his his natural look yeah. as an actor. It, it, you know, he does have that kind of he sounds, crazy grandpa. He sounds so specific and unique. Like it's just Jack Nicholson. He's very him. So I, yeah. I think that's like a big part of it. Yeah. Um now you were talking about her running around with a knife, which brings me to my next major question about the movie, which you must have known this was coming. We got to talk about the guy in the bear costume and the guy in the suit in the room for no reason. <laughs> That's a dog what? costume. It was a dog or a pig. What it was a bear. I think it was a bear. Not the point. So all I know is that it had uh, no butt. It just had his butt, bear butt, and yeah, his ass is hanging so, out. I love that zoom too, where like he, it like comes up and then the scent, the other guy yeah. peeks in and then zooms in. She's like, oh fuck. <laughs> so like, wow. Well, I think like you're not supposed to know. I think it's supposed to just be this strange, disturbing thing that I'm happens. just assuming with it and, being The Shining that there's more behind it. That's all. That's what I'm asking. Like, what's the conspiracy theory? What's the connection? What's going on here? In the in the in mm-hmm. the book, the, it's made kind of more explicitly clear. The Overlook is this, like, very, very famous hotel in the Stephen King. Well, like, I, I can't think of, like, it's like a Four Seasons, like a, what, like a in major the middle, And then in, in the middle of nowhere hotel. and super private. Like, they made that pretty clear in the movie, too, that it's like people go here to do whatever. In the middle, want. in the middle of, but in the middle of, like, in the middle of, like, ski right. country. Do you know what I mean? Like, in, in season, it's a very popular place for, like, rich people to go. And, and they're also, like... Like Jack Jack Torrance goes into the basement in the book and he finds all these newspaper clippings about like this rich celebrity or this politician like found like with their mistress or like blah blah blah. So like I think oh you kind of got sort that of, like, an on eyes- the 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 table he had newspaper clippings on the table in like a book. So they did put yeah. that in there. But so like um, I think it's just supposed to be. Like a like a senator, like there's just like debauched right. okay. sex parties happening all the time. Do you know what I mean? But like for Shelley Duvall, for Wendy, like just watching the fucking crazy spirits come out. I love that they don't explain it. I love that she's just running around and sees some guy getting blown by a dude in a dog costume, and it's just like, oh, this is too much. Right. I gotta get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like it's it's so it's so fucked up and weird, and I think like funny, you know, in a but still in like a tense way. Like it doesn't sacrifice the stakes. Like. The fucking old woman that yeah. Jack hallucinates, like it's like it's like funny, but it's also like gross and horrifying. Yeah, I, right? I mean, well, like, and then, like, it's, the fr- it's everything. Yeah, at once. that scene worked way better than I thought it was going to. Because also the weirdest thing being, I'm yeah. watching that and be like, no way, I've seen this exact scene from Ready Player One, which I was like, oh, weird, because they 
They go oh through it in that, right? Yeah. Oh, I love that they movie. Oh, I love Ready Great Player movie. One. The book's way better, by the way, if you haven't read it yet. Definitely worth the read. Of course. Um, but yeah, so I that scene held up really well for me, actually, tension-wise and, and all the way through. I thought it was great. Uh, and then when she turns into an old lady, it wasn't as funny as I thought it was going to be. Uh, it, was, it was still <laughs> it's terrifying. Yeah, it was terrifying. <laughs> it's still very serious and gross. Yeah. And, yeah, I felt I just just no, to that though, sure. I love the framing of the woman coming out of the yeah. bathtub. Just how they had set it up with her kind of she's off to the side and she kind of stands up. She doesn't quite reveal herself until she steps out. It's a very symmetric framing, and I actually just wanted to shout out in terms of the craft of that shot it was nice. I mean, yeah, he's every he's. I mean, that's his whole bag is like framing and and the technical stuff. I mean, Kubrick was unmatched in my opinion. also she um, was. Saucy. Oh wow. Okay. I feel the uncomfortable. Old lady, I agree. <laughs> no, I would just like to go back, guys. The technical. Or are you talking about the twins? <laughs> oh my god. Wow. Okay. Not going there. Um, I would like to point out the technical term. Come play with us, Brandon. Is forever a, and ever. I believe <laughs> that gentleman who's getting blown by the bear, the dog, the guy in the costume is. I think his fetish is a furry. I believe it's called. Word. Where there are people who have a sexual fetish of people in like, well, the guy, you know, the costumes. guy dressing up would be a furry at least for sure. But I think it also he's, works he's both first, ways. He's like, got his first sona on, right? Of course. But then it's like, are, if you're not a, if I, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I don't know too much of like furry lore. So like, I don't know if like if like you're just into anthro stuff. If you're not dressing up, like you have to dress up to be a furry. I don't know. No, these I, are all wait, questions for, my, for anybody. For my, if anybody would like to comment with their answers, well, were furries right. invented? Please in let us know. When did that become a thing? Maybe Stephen. I think furries have been around as long as Disney has. Uh, somebody, <laughs> like would, yeah, there's gonna like... be somebody out there that has that fetish. <laughs> I think Caleb, kind of the the sense that you always get like both ends, right? You have people who dress up, and then you have people who are who are attracted to people in those costumes. I think it does work both ways, but I can do some research and get back to you next week on that. Um, yeah, let, let me know what you find. <laughs> so can we um, can we talk about The Shining being the pure imagination of a child and the psychic element of it? Because I did right. write down the the tie to The Dark Tower from last week that the, the power that the man in black was harnessing is exactly what Danny has. And Danny seems to be a very, very powerful psychic, you know? And I'm curious as yeah. to why there wasn't anything more with his character well, throughout on. the lore. But, I just want to make something very you know? clear, though. While Danny is a very powerful psychic, he is nowhere near as powerful as Jake is. Jake is way more powerful, and he can he can psychic across multiverses. Friggin' Danny Cave is right, psychic so, out of Colorado. Okay. <laughs> Just wanted to make that point. Yeah, I don't... <laughs> I mean, you have, you have Dick Halloran being like, i never seen a shine like yours. <laughs> and it's like, all right, buddy. <laughs> He's great. He I, like, awesome. I like Scott. Do you know how I knew you? your name was Doc? And then Wendy's like, I'm sure I didn't say that. <laughs> I, they, they make her... I think it's a. I think Shelley Duvall gets a bad rap because people are always call her performance like the weak... Point I found movie. it that way, and I and I I think that's the character. Really, though. I don't know. I think that I think it's just the character of being this very like sweet, tired woman who's just like been like putting up like with an awful, awful marriage situation for the sake of her boy, and she's just a very like home girl, hometown girl, like every woman, like just like being like, well, you know, like she's not stupid. She just doesn't know 
about obviously and psychic <laughs> shit, you know. And then, but then, um, I I love I don't know I I think she gets a bad rap. I don't think she's nearly as bad as people say she is. No, I. But I, yeah, I mean, you can... I agree that there's that scene with um with Dick Halloran and and Danny, and he's trying to get him to like be like talk about it and he's like ah tony told me not to talk about it (laughs) um and then it's like yeah when he's like i want to go into room 237 and he's like uh well there's nothing in there but like you should never go anyway (laughs) right uh because there's nothing in there so don't worry about it and i'm like oh i feel like a a huge part of this movie could have been avoided if you were just like honest with him right i mean like yeah there's an evil fucking ghost like don't don't go in that room you're you're psychic so you're gonna be able to see this stuff don't go near it all right good call yeah, Caleb. I want to talk um, about the the. De- sorry, did you have a? Did you want to go on? No, no, no. Go. Um, I just the detail, right? Because you said uh, Kubrick had a lot of detail. One moment I really did notice, and I clocked was the the pile of manuscripts that was um, that was sitting there. The uh, all work mm-hmm. and no play makes for it. Uh, all work and no play makes. Oh, what a great fucking scene! What's it? And then she's like, in my opinion, what's what's the whole line? I have it written down. All work uh, and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Jack a dull boy. Um, the fact that they were like somebody at some point, a prop master or a designer, typed out on the typewriter as if it was a script, as if it was narrative, as if it was like this weird kind of thing. Like there were, she went through, oh, she went no. through about twenty some pages, and they all had something different. And so I just wanted to give a nod. Oh, no, to, no, 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 Josh. What Kubrick made his secretary do that. So right, so that's what we saw. And then for every language the film was translated in he made he made he made her do it in their own like a colloquial equivalent of the of the idiom no so like there's a specific one in german and spanish and french oh my god Um, i mean that's so yeah imagine be imagine getting that job it's like all right type fucking 60 pages of this you see her now you see her (laughs) now she has arthritis now and she's just like she can't use her hands on the typewriter too um, which I love and then and I love that it's a typewriter and then I love that you zoom in and you see there's like some spelling mistakes here and there and not everything's like totally like capital, consistent like, yeah, as there if was somebody like was just possessed just like going and going yeah. and I think it ties so great into the earlier scene where it's the first time that you see her interrupt him at the typewriter and you that like now that you know like on a second watch that it, that's what he's typing that moment is so tense and he and he pulls the paper right out before she gets to him and hides it and yeah. it's like oh my god it's, like, you know, when did he yeah. become crazy? When did he lose his mind? Like, when did he get possessed? Like, was he always planning to do this? Or at what point? You know, I, it's just so, so fucking insane. And then there's that whole shot at the end, right? Like, the zoom in of the photo, and he's right there front and center. Like, was he already there? Or did the house, like, take his soul? You know? Or I, that's, I mean, I just was like, oh, he's been there before. <laughs> he was a spirit. But then... Uh, Ryan was like, no, well, my interpretation was that the house kind of takes your soul, right, and adds you to the party, right? And so, but was also interesting yeah. that I made a really distinct kind of point that I'm like, that looks a lot like, you remember in It, the the remake, where they would be going to the history books, and there would be the, the dad of the, or Pennywise, essentially. He did kind of have the same mm-hmm. facial features as Pennywise. It's all, it's all, so this is, yeah. what I was, this is what I wanted yeah. to talk about, because I went deep, deep down this rabbit hole last night after watching The Shining because I was like okay I gotta learn more about the Stephen King universe and how it all ties in so that stuff especially with the new It movies they're doing it on purpose that's what I meant by The Dark Tower they're actively connecting everything on purpose like 
and and it's it's retroactive. He's doing it. So, for example, none of us realized this last time, but we were watching the Dark Tower, and they're walking through the woods, and there's the whole carnival thing, like the Ferris wheel that's broken and everything. Mm-hmm. That Ferris wheel yeah. says Pennywise across it in big letters. Yeah. Oh wow! Oh, so nice. they're doing it. That's what I meant by the Dark Tower. It's not only that though. It's like he, the kid, uh, has the book Cujo with him, and like it's they mm-hmm. packed the Dark Knight with shit from the rest of his movies and the dark knight or sorry the dark, the dark Tower. knight and same same with <laughs> same with like it and it too they they're packing all of his new movies with old shit from his old movies so it's all one universe which i think is right, so, so now cool. i'm gonna have to now i'm gonna have to watch uh pet cemetery to make sure that they're doing that i would that love too. for is, batman to fight pennywise by the way dude right um question <laughs> brandon in your in your rabbit hole research journey are there specific books that connect more, or does his entire yeah? So it's novel so, arsenal connect. So what it is is because it's retroactive because it didn't start till the Dark Tower series, and then that's when he realized that like what he was writing was an interconnected universe for everything. Um, but there is so it's like Keystone Earth, which was the one that like Jake is on, is uh, that's like the Dark Tower world's Earth. But there's Earth Earth, which is like where Pennywise lives and shit. And that Earth was created by, like that turtle, the turtle, the turtle right? And but the, two <laughs> yeah. of, but the two of them are from a different dimension, that like has a bunch of evil creatures mm-hmm. in it. So they escape to our dimension. But so that Earth though, with like, um, uh, uh, what's the what's the town, man? Uh, something Rock. Uh, yeah. Castle so that Rock. Earth with like Castle Rock and all of that is its own world. So that's like all of his normal shit is on that earth and then so it, it's just interconnecting everything through these <laughs> oh so like dimensions. shawshank redemption right. uh is in the castle rockers yeah like and like that type of thing right and then and the green mile and stuff like that but i guess exactly. yeah oh so he even brought in all his novellas and short yeah, stories and things like that everything. too i mean to the... he even brought himself in so like to, to yeah. that so it's well like, yeah he, is it <laughs> he really went to the point <laughs> can you tell that uh can you tell that he was addicted to cocaine for like a long period of time? Dude, He's a fucking psychopath. That's the best. When you're reading the first book of the Dark Tower, there's like, I don't know, maybe 45 pages where Roland's just tripping out on drugs, and it's very clearly that he's just on a drug ship writing, and it's amazing. Like, it's super interesting. I mean, he's like been on record. There are several books that he Cujo. just has yeah, no memory he of remember. writing. Cujo's yeah. the big one. No Cujo's the big one. Writing Cujo. Just woke up with it. Um, but even the the shining was like you know I mean Jack Torrance is an alcoholic because Stephen King was going through substance issues with alcohol too around that time and um, I mean he definitely puts a lot of himself into his work and I think I think that's really admirable you know sometimes it it manifests itself in really weird ways like his his like cocaine nightmare induced writing will lead him to write a child orgy for instance which, so by it's the way, not I, always... thought, I thought about this. You could t- cast 18, 19-year-old actors that look really young, maybe like early teenage. It might not be a child, but you can get close, maybe. Why? Josh is hold like, on, no, we on. can make this yeah. work. Let's Why? get, what? let's film the Why child. Why are you trying routine. so hard to make this work? <laughs> Just because at one point I would love when they make a movie adaptation of a book that it's accurate at one point in our right, lives. Maybe it doesn't have to be know? this one, though. 
though maybe okay the child you know (laughs) i think that was probably a that was probably a smart i mean i i think that you should be able to make art about anything you know it's it's designed to be uncomfortable you know what i mean i don't think he was actually like eroticizing children but I, I also do think that no fucking studio yeah. on the face of the fucking planet. Like, if Andy Machete was like, so we're going to do the child orgy in the sewers. And then they would have been like, how about no? That's fucking <laughs> Actually, disgusting. You know what, we're not gonna do? what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Um, that would have been too much. Imagine just being like, imagine having no idea what, what it is. You're just going in with no knowledge and then you're just like fucking sitting on a date and then this fucking child orgy happens on screen. <laughs> you're like so traumatizing people for life. So messed Yeah, up. I I wanted to sorry, talk more about the movie a little bit, but um, I kind of completely lost my thought. I don't know. Was it about <laughs> the hedge maze? Did you? Because the hedge maze is cool. Yeah, which is really cool. Oh yeah, no, that definitely is. So these iconic shots, yeah, right? that's where uh, Goblet of Fire stole all. Their I could shots not from. stop thinking that the entire time. I was like, I just, I this is the Goblet of Fire. Yeah, yeah, but there's no cut it's at really, the middle. Dude, you don't know that they never got to the middle. Yeah, they did. That's true. That's why. Did. That's why Almost Jack froze to death because he he couldn't get to the goblet. <laughs> So here's the he's thing, like, though. I, can't get out. I thought it was Dumbledore clever having the kid kind of retrace the steps, and he's a smart kid to kind of hide and stuff. But I was also expecting at that point that he was going to run into Jack. You know what I mean? Like the kid's just like running and looking behind him, and all of a sudden he's going to, you know, run into Jack. But I like that he did it. I like that the family but he's got, got the away. Psychic powers, oh, so true. he can tell the shines there. Like that's and that's why it's a great. It's I like that they didn't. You were saying, Josh, that you were upset that it wasn't focused on more. I feel like it was focused on enough. It just wasn't like told right to the audience faces. Like he's using his psychic powers. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that, that the, his intuition kind of accounts for that a lot of the time, like how, how he can like get out of, you know, Tony I liked, is yeah. kind of helping guide. I liked his shining show. face. Like every time he'd be doing the shining stuff. Yeah. Like he did. <laughs> yeah. It was very, very good. I enjoyed it. It was funny. How about like he like he just like stuck his a now, fork into an electrical is, outlet? Uh, <laughs> what like, was Tony <laughs> supposed to be? Again, I'm trying to think in bigger context of this universe. But what is just a random? So it, in the book, they make it they make it more clear that because he's so young, he doesn't really he can't really like comprehend. Yeah, that he can read people's minds or like have like a oh psychic Tony's an actual ability person to of clairvoyance. What to do? Being a dick. No, he, Tony. Tony is what he calls the ability to hear other yeah, people's I think thoughts it's the and kids, to like psychically. It's the kid trying to conceptualize. It's like his conscience, basically. You know, yeah, he's like conceptualizing his his psychic abilities into a person, so that he a, can understand it as okay. a as a. Because I was about to jump yeah, to red flag again and be like, "Yo, wait, so it's it's him just talking to him the whole time." <laughs> No, <laughs> no, no. That just makes Tony's a good okay, guy. Okay, Tony's okay, helping cool. him out. Um, yeah, because Tony's like, don't um, go to that hotel. That's true. Tony was like, do not go to the hotel. Why don't you want to go, Tony? I don't want to. Like, yeah. <laughs> for for a for a kid that young who also doesn't know what's going on, he I think I he did a really good absolutely. Job. I loved the the reveal of uh, Red Rum to murder. Mm. I thought that with the mirror shot. Yeah, the mirror shot. I thought that was great. That kind it's, of when, brought when me you, to surprise. Yeah, because when you know, like, when you know going into it, it's like, okay, this is, like, really obvious. But if you don't know, like, I don't know, like, the first time I was, like, I was like, oh, yeah, that's total. that is what that would be backwards. Like, that was really yeah. great. Like, I don't know, I think, it, I think it works. I think it holds up. It's a cool moment. He used a lot of um, mirror shots in terms of his, his, the way he set up his shots and the way they kind of used reflection to, like, 
for the oh my god yeah that moment with with jack on the bed and, and he's and sitting and like, he looks over at his kid but you yeah. can't you see the back of uh, his head but you see his in the face and his head's kind of distorted down and it's very menacing it's very and you know so imposing, which i thought was great i love that but shit. i wanted to say <laughs> the what i thought was kind of funny maybe because it was at the end of the movie and it's been a long movie and but the fact that he doesn't get out of the maze and the next shot is just him frozen mm-hmm. in his the, mm-hmm. you i mean we've all seen yeah. that image of jack nicholson in the ice right i didn't realize it was from this movie but i thought it was kind of funny that still had that same kind of demented look on his face and and then in the movie ends and he's in the photo and life goes on you know but yeah, they call that the kubrick stare it's in a lot it's in like clockwork orange it's in full metal jacket like yeah the, it's a very common trope is. that he has to have the character like look up like past his eyebrows yeah um, i think it's fucking creepy as shit i think my my favorite iteration of it have you guys seen full metal jacket um with vincent d'onofrio like with his fucking shotgun in the yeah, bathroom also like, it's like fucking I mean, horrifying vincent <laughs> he is the man right I, 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 yeah, like he's everything great. that he's in is just. Also, I love that half the time you can't even recognize him. Right, he's such a character actor. You're like, who's that? Yeah. Oh shit, it's Vincent D'Onofrio. Oh my god. I love uh, this. Is just for you, Brandon, because uh, I know you haven't seen it yet, Josh. But I love in uh, in that flashback in BoJack Horseman, like where he's like playing the yeah. part that Mr. Peanut oh, Butter would have. He's like, so we Zelda. He's. I like that he. I like. I like oh, that yeah. he can make fun of himself. Yeah, so that, no, that's he's, cool. He's the man. He's his. Uh, his kingpin was something special. Okay, so I got one more question about The Shining, um, and that's definitely sure. based on you know everything that you hear about it growing up, but. What about The Shining was supposed to convince me that the moon landing didn't happen? Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> so there's there's this um this theory so that actually so so I actually there's is gonna loop around back to something that I tried to talk about earlier. Um, I I I messaged you guys like, have you guys seen like the Dirties? Like, do you know who Matt Johnson is? He made he's he's made a couple films he made this show called nirvana the band the show uh that i like highly recommend you guys watch it's one of the funniest things i've ever seen it's like might be funnier than it's always sunny i don't know yet um but he made this movie called operation avalanche which is about faking the moon landing and he when he's like i i'm a big conspiracy guy but when i was talking to the guys at nasa and i did all the research i there's like a math it's mathematically impossible that the footage that we saw was doctored like it has to be real <laughs> and he and he goes into this whole thing but he's like i it, it's a proven the moon landing wasn't faked blah 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 so i thought that was interesting but there's this theory that kubrick stanley kubrick was hired to fake the yeah. moon landing and like that, that famous footage we see of of the flag and the guy on the moon is is fake, and that he did that. So, The Shining is like one of the I, I forget exactly why I this I knew this was coming, <laughs> I should have researched it, but they do say like there's like a there's like a there's like a uh, one of Danny's outfits has like a rocket yeah, one ship of on his it. Sweaters yeah. is a and na- so it's like a NASA that's, sweater. It's the one that gets torn. It's like a NASA so. Yeah. So that is like, see, he's like telling us, he's telling us he faked the, you know what I mean? Like it's people that are like, I, I like read, I like reading a lot into films, but there's also a point where it's like, 
That's you're like really yeah, I, grasping at straws. I, I, here, I expected you know. something super blatant, like for him to like take the sweater off and like throw it on the ground or something, or just take the sweater off and be like, "This sweater's fake." But that didn't happen, so it wasn't so clear. Guy, <laughs> Tony says this sweater's fake. <laughs> Tony know, like, says the moon's uh, I think not there's, real. There's, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. no. Uh, <laughs> there's obviously like probably more to it than that, but yeah, it, it is this this huge conspiracy yeah, theory for I, I a had long to time. That Stanley Kubrick faked the moon landing. Um, he's like the only yeah. one who could pull it off. But then you listen to this interview, and it's and it's like this Matt Johnson guy. Is like no, it, it was real, and I'm bummed because I love conspiracy theories. <laughs> yeah. Well, that flag argument is hilarious. It's like, um, like, do you know how kinetic energy works in space? Because they just jammed it yeah. into the ground, so obviously <laughs> it's going to continue moving. <laughs> nah, dude, that's not. There's not. There's yeah, no air out there, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, did you guys find the movie? I'm, I'm guessing you guys didn't find the movie scary at all. Scary? No. No. I thought there were moments. I, mean, I that, wasn't like scared, but I there's definitely moments of tension. Like I'm definitely like engaged. Yeah, no, I was gonna say there's definitely you know. startling moments. Like I, for instance, oh, I don't even. I'm trying to think of. I think the the reveal of the issue, the real the, the reveal of the old woman decayed or whatever is that mm-hmm. you see the shot in the mirror of her back, and so you're already like you're already looking at all the makeup and like, okay, cool. The back, what are, what her front's going to look like? And the face looked pretty scary, but I think because there's not very many like quick shots. The only quick shots are like the two girls bloody on the floor. That was kind of intermittent with the elevator and stuff. Oh, how good's that elevator too? The slow motion blood and like the symphonic score coming through. Dude, I loved that shot. Can you imagine like how much, do you know how much they used volume wise? Fuck ton. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I don't know the number, but like, uh, and then having to do it over and over and over again. And but even like, bam. even the him jumping out behind the pillar and s- sticking an axe in the guy's, uh, the guy's chest, it wasn't scary because I was with it, right? Nothing happened quick mm-hmm. enough for me to be startled, you know? Um, I guess that's just my can thing. I, can I ask you guys what cut you watched, by the way? Like, how long was the movie? It was long. Two hours, 23 minutes, yeah, maybe? Yeah, I think mine was So, now, this is, this is now, and I, and I didn't think about this until we, like, got on today. So, I have the European cut, which is, like, one hour and 59 minutes. It's, like, just almost under two hours. And oh, wow. that's, I should have said that's better. the cut that I, yeah, that's this cut that I was going to watch. Better. Oh, they take out they take out like the shit with like the doctor and a bunch of like other expositional stuff and they just get like right it's like pretty much like a very streamlined oh. experience and i didn't even think about it because that's just the cut that yeah. i watched like that's like my version of the movie that i prefer um, it's, 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 and i didn't it, think to. it's interesting though because this one definitely felt like there was about 20 to half an hour too long i'd say there's a lot of long shots yeah. that's why yeah i mean which i like i like long shots and there's definitely lots of like long takes and the version that I watched as well, they they just cut out kind of redundant scenes. No, that's that that's what I'm saying. Like it, it makes sense that there's a cut yeah. that's just under two hours. That's about perfect. It seems like. Um, yeah, yeah. I I definitely prefer it. And there's you know there's you know whatever people have their opinions about that shit. But so I apologize. I, I should have said no, that okay. at some point, but I just didn't think to because it's like it's also because it's the you yeah, know I don't know about you, Josh, but because it was like first watch through for me. I would rather watch the longer one and get everything and not miss anything and, you know, be able to, and then watch the other one next and take things out. 
So, yeah. But I was think. I just wish. No, I was going to say, I just was going to noting on like what's available for streaming. I wish there was more like because it'd be easier for me to sit and watch it again and kind of, you know, take my time with it. But because I'm renting some of these movies, um, I had I have 48 hours. Like once I watch, I have 48 hours to watch it again. And a lot of the times I can't time it like scheduling purposes don't work out, but it is kind of amazing what's not available on streaming when you would think that like, you know, there's so many platforms out there. You'd think more would be, it seems like we've been kind of hitting a, uh, hitting a rut where it's like, Oh, this movie. And then it's like, (laughs) really? It's only on one thing that, you know, surprised I had to rent this problem. How is that not on Netflix? Yeah. Yeah, But they know, but they know that people will. Yeah. That's true. It is The Shining. Yeah. So, like, you know, it's like one of the most famous movies of all time. They're like, yeah, we can make people pay for this. <laughs> I hope it wasn't, I hope it wasn't, like, too expensive. It's the same price as The Dark Tower. Yeah. Which is a travesty in itself. But. <laughs> yeah, I wish they would price one of, it. I think for... one of those films has objectively more value than the other, but that's okay. All right. Final. Do we want to, are we ready to rate? Maybe. I mean, there's so much more right. that is it, well, we can hold talk on. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah Caleb, running. if there's, if there's something you want anything, to talk about, go ahead. I just I don't have anything else on mine, really. Is anything absolutely sure. I can think of. Because I also can keep... I'm, if nobody stops me, I'm just going to keep bringing up multiverse crap all day. Because I'm super <laughs> inter- interested in the Stephen King multiverse now. Like, for example, was Doctor Sleep... I haven't watched it. But in that movie, Caleb... Is it mostly just mm-hmm. them retroactively making this all make more sense in the in the Stephen King universe, the Shining and all that? Is that what's happening? Uh, I mean, like, kind of, not really. They, it's definitely like they. It's a very different tone and a very different like. They go way deeper into oh, people uh, with psychic oh. powers and shit. Well, speaking of, I just I remembered I was seeing a thing last night on it. Uh, Ewan McGregor's character, Danny. Right, like the kid from The Shining. Mm-hmm. Apparently, some at some mm-hmm. part during the movie, he drops a whole line from he drops a quote from Roland. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the I see what you mean. They're definitely doing a lot of work to make it all like MCU. But um, no, the the Doctor Sleep, I, I people are I think hard on it. It's it's not The Shining, um, but it's not The Dark Tower either. Like it's a solid movie. Ewan McGregor is really solid. Yeah. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson, who plays like the the main bad guy, she's like so good. Um, but no, it Do definitely you... transforms into like like Danny's like an alcoholic now. He grew yeah. up because of the fucking horrible shit that happened to him. He's like traumatized and he's trying to figure his life out. And then like Rebecca Ferguson is like <laughs> she plays like this leader of this group of like vampires or whatever that like feed off of psychic energy so they go and like try to find the kids that like Danny have the shining and they like suck their souls out and so Danny's gotta like gotta like kill them all right you know remember how oh, wow. in the um, dark tower we're shooting kids souls at the tower yeah I'm just no saying. I know I totally see it I see but I also know that you know when people are trying to reach for the whole moon landing conspiracy you know I think, Brandon, you can get caught in that trap of like, find, you know, going to every little paragraph and being like, oh, what is this? And I can just see you with a, like a chalk, like a, with a cork board with like pictures with the, and uh, red string. It's always and, sunny. Like, it's always sunny it's snapshot just, of Charlie. Like, ah! I, I agree, <laughs> but here's, why, like, here's, here's the two things about that. One, totally watch multiple YouTube videos explaining it very clearly to me. So the cork board is in my, it's in, it's in my mind now. It's in my brain. Uh, and secondly, though, I don't remember what I was going to say. 
Um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, That's good. No, just it. It's because it's retroactive. That's why. It's because they're making more new movies and like watching interviews with them talking about it. They're actively putting things in. So now to be looking for it isn't like going through each paragraph trying to find stuff that isn't there. It's just yeah. identifying what they very purposely put there. Well, yeah. I hope that the filmmakers and the screenwriters and stuff who are trying to do this aren't just reaching or aren't just trying to make things for the sake. But I hope they do that if they do try and pull some connections and try and disc- like connect it all, that it, yeah. there is some base to it in the novels themselves well, is all I'm... I think. Yeah, I mean, just by the way they set up the Dark Tower, it makes it pretty easy for them to, like, you know what I mean? Everything's encapsulated. Yeah. Any, like, just infinite multiverses, so you can really do whatever the hell you want. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's a great, it's great. I love it. I love all that shit. Yeah, just those shots were really great. Yeah, it- I especially liked the the pantry of him. It's like the undershot of him trying to get out of the the pantry, yeah. and it's just, yeah, I. He's he's psycho, but, you know. Yeah. I think Kubrick, Kubrick, there are t- so many directors that have made multiple films that I love, but I, Kubrick has like four masterpieces under his belt. And I, and I think this is one of them. I really do. What are the other ones? Cause I don't have them on the top of my head. Uh, 2001. Eyes wide shut. For sure. Full metal. Uh, Dr. Strangelove and Barry Lyndon. Mm. In my opinion, uh, if you haven't I've seen Doctor Strange Lover, Barry Lyndon, or two thousand one, any of them, Full Metal Jacket and Clockwork Orange are also great. Eyes Wide Shut is great. Um, Lolita is really interesting. Uh, the Killing is really good. Like he's he's great, but I think yeah. those four are like holy shit, changing like every decade, just like changing cinema. It's like insane. But people don't um, want to work with him because he's nuts. I remember watching Clockwork Orange yeah. for the first time. And being like, who is this guy? Like the main guy, Malcolm McDowell. And being Malcolm like, yeah. McDowell? Being not yeah. knowing, you know, not putting it together that it's Malcolm McDowell, who, you know, we've been watching play the old man character forever. So I went to look it up and I lost my mind. Yeah. I was like, that is insane. <laughs> You've had the greatest career ever. Good for you. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. We're gonna, All right. So we're going to rate the shot. I'm obviously. <laughs> uh, before before yeah before anybody gives me shit for it i'm obviously giving it a five but i know you guys are a little more critical so i think this is kind of like the i would say shawshank redemption so i was a four four point five yeah what did i give shawshank did i give four point five something like that uh yeah all right, i'm gonna give this a four then because i enjoyed shawshank more damn all right all right, bro. If that's uh, how you feel, I'm not gonna. No, I liked it a lot. I just I, I wrong, liked but... Shawshank better. <laughs> I, sure. yeah, no, I think mine is more towards the. I was a little bit ahead because we've been, we just have it absorbed so much that, you know, exactly. it was cool to watch, and I'm glad I did. And it's and I understand how it is so prevalent to history of film. So. Yeah, and I mean that's the thing. Unfortunately, we're not just watching them as blank slates, right? <laughs> like it's like we're watching them with all the no, definitely. I de- that usually I mean like yeah like I was like very critical of like The Godfather and Raging Bull and stuff like that but for me like I I think I just love genre stuff anyway right. yeah. so like this is just a movie that I that I think is a really incredible living artifact absolutely but that was cool thank you guys for going on that spooky little journey with me absolutely uh, Josh it's your turn um, are we flipping to female directors. 
I think we should for the cycle. I think it's been 15 episodes and we haven't done any female directors, so I would yeah. like to do that. Um, so I did some. I did some. I went through a list of movies done by female directors, and a lot of them are very interesting. But I want to pick one that might be on people's radars. Um, we're gonna do Winter's Bone with with oh okay <laughs> with Jennifer Lawrence. Jenny, Jenny Lawrence uh, and oh, yeah, Mark. Yeah. Mark? No, Marky Mark is in The Lovely Bones. Okay. Uh, Winter's Bone is John Hawks, who's like an incredible actor that doesn't get enough recognition. He's the best part I of I love that, that you knew Directed exactly in, the movie I was thinking. Written by uh, Deborah Granick. So, yeah. I, I think didn't realize that was a female director. All right, that'll be cool. It's on It's on HBO for sure here. Uh, Brandon, I do. I do I'm, I'm sorry I did not look up for Canada. Um, oh, I have no doubt but, it's somewhere. No, don't worry about it. Um, well, it's funny because a lot of the other videos, I think, oh yeah, it should be somewhere, and then it's like, here's the thing: worst crap, case to rent scenario, it. it's been whatever four ninety nine. You know, it's not the end of the right, world. It's exactly. all right. <laughs> um, no, Winter's Bone. I thought it would be interesting because I did hear about this. I think this is Jennifer Lawrence's Oscar win. Uh, yeah, nomination. her first one. No, first nomination. Oscar win was for um, what's it? Uh, Silver Linings. Yeah, but this was the first nomination. Oh, this was a nomination. Yeah. Okay. This was the first time that she was really in anything. Uh, this was her big breakout. Oh, interesting. And then, she, oh, yeah. and then she got Hunger. And then she got Hunger Games. She was on a, which is why oh, everybody she was on a, a knows about her. Uh, sitcom. Yeah, but fuck that. You know what I mean? No one cares. <laughs> I'm about just that. saying. <laughs> this was her breakout film. Yes, and she got nominated for an Academy cool. Award for it, and then that was you know it's off to the races. Right. I look forward to watching it, guys. So, starting female directors this cycle, and I think it'll be yep. an interesting kind of journey for us because then we can kind of start pairing them all together so yeah, i totally shot you wonder woman i'm just throwing that out there <laughs> please don't please don't do wonder woman Why, wait you don't like patty jenkins you don't like patty jenkins pick a better patty jenkins movie tell me what's it. right do, do I, think, I think brandon the point is that i think at the beginning of this podcast we discussed that at least one of us shouldn't have seen it like there needs to be one person who hasn't seen the movie fine yeah i'm a safe bet because if most of these movies i haven't seen but Wonder Woman, I've seen a couple times. So let's not. A couple. <laughs> we've all seen Wonder Woman. As much as I love it when my fucking movie crumbles in on itself and becomes a Final Fantasy cutscene in the last act. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. You know, I think I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, boys, it was a pleasure. Caleb, you want to sign us off? Whoa, Patty Jenkins did Thank you monster. for listening. Sorry. Yeah, that's what yeah, I'm saying. Could... Monster that's would a really be great. Good point. Brandon. Yes, do monster. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. We will see you next week. As always, this is Caleb John Cushing and Josh and Brandon. Please stay safe and much love to everybody.